All right. Well, give me about thirty minutes to figure out how to make an egg an egg cream. I've, I've never had an egg cream. I don't really know what that is. Super disappointed in both of you. Moving on. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> should we intro the show, guys? Yeah. We, we should do it. We I, I I feel like this is going to end up on the show, probably. 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 It's awkward and terrible. If, and if you know terrible. the Supple Boys editing styles, our tendency oh, yeah. is to leave in as much stuff that you would typically think should be cut out as yeah. possible. I don't know if you heard the episodes I sent you last night, but I left in a little Rosenberg embarrassment right at the end of part two. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> no notes. Um, Welcome. This is the show. Welcome, yeah, we ladies and gentlemen. This is the show. Welcome. This is the show. It's called it's Ideas called Don't Bleed. Ideas Don't Bleed. Oh, my God. It's called a soft intro. <laughs> we like it to be like you fell asleep at a party and the yep. three least interesting guys sat down on the couch you were on and started talking and that's how you woke up. That's yeah. the way we ease you in. Yeah. You, you were having an awesome time, too awesome a time. You passed out and you woke up. And there were three guys oh, talking about oh. podcasting and egg creams. <laughs> I have to say, like, I, I really, like, I, I do, like, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to sort of say this, but I really do, I, like, I really like the title mm. of the podcast. No, we don't because, talk, like, we don't talk about the title of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 because, like, not only is it sort of strongly evocative, like, it's also, like, it's, it's, like, it's factually correct. Like, they don't. That's they true. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. They keep I, yeah. I didn't want a title they of a can't. That, yeah. that wasn't yeah. true. Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that would be, that's called fraud and it's not legal. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. You're a smart guy and you're an honest guy. That's, yeah. Yeah. Almost half of those are true. Um, <laughs> this is Ideas Don't Bleed, uh, a podcast. I will say um, I'm in the middle of a big signing tour. Uh, mm -hmm. signing a comic book called Wildcats, going out with my buddy Matt Pizzolo, mm -hmm. who is writing a book called Rogue State, which has just launched, and we're going to 17 comic shops in 15 days or something, and it's uh, a big thing. And yesterday, on the way out to a comic shop, to Fourth World Comics in beautiful Long Island, New York, uh, I was listening to a podcast, and I, and I was like, wow, they're so much better at this than us. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, so what that was, was podcast. I was listening to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. That's uh, Conan O'Brien. Okay. He's, he's made a living off of talking to people I, for the celebrity podcast 30, 40 like, years. I, I liked it. I want to say I would like to have Conan O'Brien on our podcast so that we can okay. ask for some tips. And then, like, maybe I should go on his. I'm sure so Jerry Duggan yeah. knows him. I'm sure Jerry knows him. I'm sure yeah. Jerry was at his, his baptism or something. Um, <laughs> the uh, so this is just me formally putting it out there from one podcaster to another. Like Conan, we should yeah. we should swap. We should swap, and you can mm -hmm. give you can give the supple boys tips on how to uh, make me seem more professional because you seem very professional there. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's probably in the editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They probably start a lot of podcasts off like you woke up at a party mm -hmm. and boring people, but they cut it 
And that's Almost that's certain, the kind yeah. of stuff we need a professional to tell us. We are you know joined we do? here. You know what we mm-hmm. do that's the same as what he does, though, is we have wonderful guests every episode. Nice. Of nice. the same caliber, I think. You, you did a segue there. I wasn't going to segue. I was just going to go straight into it. Okay. But but no, I mean, this is your this is why it's your show, Ethan. I'm trying to make you happier with the show. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm happy. I don't okay. I don't want the show to seem more professional. That's not okay. my brand. Professionalism has never been my brand. Yeah. We are joined here today by comic book writer Auteur and Prime Minister of England, Mr. Alex Bagnell. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I will probably get my turn. It is shaping up that way. It's, it seems you, that way, yeah. You've only got... Yeah. How many people have they gone through this month? they got to just move <laughs> uh, faster. We have had three this year, which is... That's great. That's great. And how many is, elect, after yeah. how many elections was that? Uh, that would be zero, Matthew. Oh, zero. <laughs> zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, you know, there are sort of vague accusations of democratic backsliding going on, but I don't think we need to take those seriously. We're not. Okay. We don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll do that for our other podcast, What is Going On in England? And you can all <laughs> like and subscribe to that. Which is available only to the Founders Tier members. Yeah, that's Founders Tier. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. it's it's they but like, like the, the show is like not ninety percent awful recipes. Yeah, <laughs> it's a mostly cooking show. Yeah, just like version. Of what is show. this? Gr- what is this great meat? Oh, that's a tube. We just eat yeah. tubes in, in England. <laughs> <It's a tube. laughs> yeah. um, the uh, the we could do wrap the whole it in show. a pie. Like we could do the whole, <laughs> tube yeah. I mean, pie. If, if it's got a flaky crust, you guys like it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah um too too pasty as they call it <laughs> yeah too pasty um, <laughs> just va- va- vain pasty vain <laughs> so alex yeah. uh you are a comic book writer known for various comic books such as giga and red fork and um, you are currently writing a comic book that is near and dear to my heart called DC versus Vampires All Out War. <laughs> and you've done stuff at Marvel and Boom and Vault. And uh, you're, you're quite the accomplished comic book writer. So our first question as a sort of get to know you, even though this has already been going on for a really long time, is is the sort of broad open <laughs> you have the floor question of um why comics why do you make comics um i mean the the the, the sappy version i suppose is, is um they've kind of they've kind of always been there mm-hmm. um and it, it it was certainly um i, I like i don't, I don't want to get too sort of dark with it but i think it was it was one of the first real sort of bonding experiences i kind of guess i had with my dad um you know as as, as a kid because you know he, he, was a comic he guy? yeah yeah man like from sort of like 69 to about 81 i mean i, I kind of killed his comic collecting right but he he effectively kind of taught me to read with like marvel treasury editions right mm-hmm um and like you remember those little pocketbook sized ones that the like the digest that had like yeah, the yeah. kirby lee stuff yeah yeah like um yeah like that you know that that i would literally like sit on my father's knee like they're my earliest memories mm-hmm. um and i mean i i 
I, I don't want to sort of give anyone the illusion that like my childhood was like too Dickensian, but like it was, you know, it was pretty kind of, it was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty bleak uh, you for were, a little you, while. You were a chimney sweep. A <laughs> yeah, bit. I, can I was see a chimney sweep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah. You had the like, hat. yeah. There was dirt on yeah, your face I, all the yeah. time. I, I had dead, you know, dead raccoons instead of shoes, you know. <laughs> you guys have raccoons? Um, you don't have raccoons in England, do you? No, I was trying to put it in a context that would be intelligible no. to an American audience. I was syndicating for my. <laughs> yeah, I was syndicating you. for an American audience, man. We tend to just um, punch don't in. have raccoons. There's just no raccoons. No, there's no raccoons in England. No. What? They. You know what they yeah. don't have there? They don't have rabies. It's great. You can let anything bite you. <laughs> is, that, is that true? Wow. Yeah, yeah they don't have anything rabies. Anything and and anyone. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we we yeah. Um, uh we we although you know uh, our red squirrels have been killed by your gray squirrels oh sucks. sad wow i'm sorry yeah we used to have sorry. red squirrels but all of your gray squirrels killed them because they're 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 how badass did, how did they get um, there how did our uh, trade get... we trade. traded squirrels like they, they... No, <laughs> they, no they, they they came they came over on 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 shipping containers and and oh, yeah, yeah. you know and and you know uh, uh basically just massacred the local red squirrel population yeah. I, I understand um, how that i understand how this happens on a on an environmental level like historically um mm. but for some reason when you started talking about it i thought this was a recent occurrence and so i was very confused <laughs> not that you couldn't <laughs> get on a shipping container now but i thought this was like recent and so i was very uh anyway we can move on from that <laughs> that's that's that no that that um uh yeah but uh anyway yeah always loved them and um i suspect you know because you and i are a similar age i had this uh you know the same sort of formative experience which was like i remember like i, I got super sick um, when I was quite young and my dad brought me in, um, he, he didn't normally let me read like the good stuff. I mean, uh -huh. not that the Marvel treasure editions weren't the good stuff, but like the stuff that was like worth money, he wouldn't let me read it. But when I, when I got super sick, he felt really bad. And so he brought in a stack of like Claremont Cochran, Claremont uh -huh. Byrne X-Men's and I just kind of fell in love and purely by chance, like when I got out of the hospital, it was like a month before X-Men one dropped. Mm. And so, like, I, I went to Forbidden Planet in London. Like, there was the first time I'd ever been to, like, a specialty store. Yeah. And the first time I'd ever been to a specialty store was for X-Men 1, which was, like, the biggest thing that had ever happened ever. Sure. Um, and, um, and like, I, yeah, I, I just remember, like, after that, just going, I remember sort of saying to my dad, I was like, you know, how, how, how old, um, you know, like, you know, who's the youngest person who's like ever done it? And my dad was kind of going, well, I think it was Jim Shooter. I think Jim Shooter started writing like Legion when he was like 13 or something. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do it at 12. Um, and I, I think I, I think I did it at 34. So <laughs> I mean, that's you were close. You were close. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, I missed by a whisker, man. I mean, you know, we we tease, but uh, I I have a I have a real love for those like, um, you know, like friend of the show Steve Orlando. Like he he was one of those people who was like at at twelve was like I want to write comics, and then like that, yeah. I have a real soft spot for that for like people who are like, this is was my childhood dream, and I'm doing it. Like, how do you not sort of root for that? Like that's yeah. such a fun thing for me. It wasn't my childhood dream to write comics. I was a huge comics fan, but I didn't. 
ever thinking about making them because I didn't know how to draw. Mm-hmm. And like you just wanted idea... to like butcher, you wanted to butcher squirrels. Like that was. Your I, was whole... I was trying to figure out how to <laughs> trade gray squirrels with other developed yeah. countries, and I found out. That how can I do this on a professional level? Yeah, yeah, yeah and like I... just pro- professional squirrel <laughs> eugenics. I was like, I have access to squirrels. I live by a park. Yeah. How can mm. I make a living trading them? And uh, <laughs> no, no, I to me, uh, this this always sounds stupid, and so I don't tell the story very often. But like, despite the fact that both of my parents were writers, um, I never thought about the idea of writing comics. Like, I, mm. I I understood that they were written by people, but it never seemed like a job that people would have. Which like. I know other people who tell that story, but they're like, you know, their parents weren't in the creative fields. Like my parents literally had the job of writing and I still Hmm. never sort of processed that that would be a job you could have and do in a, in a real way. And so I just, I mean, part of it also, I think a lot of people developed and and maybe this is your story. Maybe it's not, but like, it sounds like you had your your dad to sort of help steer you for a lot of people. I think they had who are like wanted to be creators as kids. Um, they had a friend group who they would like write and draw things together or spit ideas at each mm. other and stuff. And, and for me, comics was very uh, solitary. I read by myself. I didn't talk to other people about it. And so I didn't have like, if I daydreamed about stories, I didn't have anyone to tell them to. So it never really, it lived and died in my head entirely. Mm. Um, did you have like a circle of friends who were into comics too, or, or not so much? I, I don't recall having friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, no. I, I mean, to, to be honest, it, it, it was like I, I, I have a, a really kind of vague recollection of kind of um, starting at you know starting at kind of uh, what would what would for you be middle school, I guess, mm-hmm. and doing a kind of show and tell, and and just kind of bringing in like a load of like like Jim Lee art that I kind of cut out, mm-hmm. and to, you know. This was like I think it was like just before like the X Men the animated series had started or something and just but like desperately trying to communicate like uh, are we okay with with cursing on the show like I'm okay with it uh, Ethan hates it but Griffin loves it so makes me uncomfortable. okay but, um, but by all okay means. In, no no yeah okay curse, fucking whatever <laughs> fuck you want all right uh, but but just but just trying to communicate you know uh, uh, to like thirty kids just how like fucking cool this is. And just like a wall of blank faces, and and just and yeah. and then yeah, like five years of kind of ritual humiliation and and <laughs> and, and and loneliness. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah. I had a I had a. There's that amazing Havoc and Wolverine OGN uh, meltdown. Havoc and Wolverine meltdown. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Is that Ken? Is that Ken Williams? Ken Williams, yeah. And uh, I yeah. had a T-shirt of it that I wore. So uh, cool. Uh, I wanted to wear it every day, and my mom was like, "It has you have to wash it." And I was like, "No, no, I, I could just wear it." And so she had to buy me another one so that I could have yeah. like more than one. And I wore them to school every day. And uh, I went to an all boys uh, Catholic school, and um, they definitely super loved uh, little nerdy kids in X Men shirts. It was super like the older kids mm-hmm. thought that was so cool. They definitely didn't push you downstairs for wearing that. Like, oh, wow, de- definite, definitely nobody ever just like would walk by me wearing that shirt and flip my lunch tray into the Jesus fucking. Christ. Yeah, it was. It, but I wore this. Sh- I was like, I don't care. Like this shirt is like the coolest shirt that's ever existed. And uh, you know what? I was right. Like all those, all those kids who were shitty to me. Yeah, no, that's the fucking cool shirt. It looks great. Kent Williams art. 
Havoc Solved Glowy. I feel like yeah. Ethan and I had like a really peculiar sort of situation mm-hmm. in middle school and high school. Like when we were that age, it was weird because the movies were just like were really exploding. Like Avengers mm-hmm. came out when I started high school and that was like really what to sort of take. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, we're young. Oh, we're young. No. Yeah. Uh Oh, and, that's not right. So, <laughs> they're talking I'm about sorry, the last Alex. Avengers movie. Endgame. <laughs> Endgame. Yeah. Um, and so people were getting into it, and the characters in the world and the stories were all becoming so much more popular, and people were wearing the T-shirts. However, there was a comic book club uh, that a teacher put together at my middle school, which was super cool. Uh, and I was a part of that. And and like as a group, we would all go to the shops uh, like one weekend out of the month. And even though everyone was wearing the fucking T-shirts and everyone was like, I love Marvel. Yeah. Nobody was in the fucking comic book club. And yeah, was there was there. I've never I never had a club. There was never a club like nobody ever knew they existed. Like like people would like yeah. the movies. But I was like, you guys know there are also comic books. And yeah. So like, we were talking we, about yeah. we were never met with that like hostility, I think, because it we were already it just was lonely. Time. It's a yeah, lonely it was thing. still yeah. one of those things where it's like, you want to read co- you want to talk about comics, guys? And then they're like no and i'm like all right well i guess i gotta start a podcast with the kids <laughs> yeah on yeah. the other side of yeah. the country yeah. yeah well it's beautiful that's a beautiful story guys that i'm sorry you guys are so lonely sorry you had <laughs> your lunch flipped in your face and we were just sort of looked at weird because people were like comic books but we should all just do a big hug yeah, yeah but so. it's also why i'm um, much meaner than you guys you guys are like super <laughs> nice and you're pretty I'm, mean yeah yeah, yeah. and so like you're soft it toughened me up for the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's uh, uh, getting back to sort of. Uh, I have a sort of follow up to the thing about comics, which is mm. something that I've really always. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, but I've never really talked to you about this in a real way. Um, and maybe uh, that's because you don't want to talk about it. But <laughs> uh, let's let's find out on air. Um, <laughs> your your mom's a, a writer of actually yeah. uh your mom is a writer of some renown she's a she's a very successful novelist um oh, wow. uh yeah and um i i sort of wonder what that relationship is like with, with you know like her relationship to comics your relationship to her writing like where where are the lines there like what you know does she does she read your stuff does she care does she not care like um like uh, uh, okay um it's interesting because it, 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 it was kind of never there. It was never like a formative part of our relationship, right? Because mm-hmm. she, her first novel wasn't published until I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's now, she's now published, I think, 38, 38 novels, which is awesome. insane. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it, it was never really sort of something we shared kind of growing up. And like, I mean, full disclosure, um, I, I, I tried to read one of her novels 
and I I hit the first sex scene and just like noped it out for ah. noped out forever. Sure. I like I was that like, Friends uh, episode yeah. with Chandler's. Yeah, mom. man, just <laughs> nope, nope. Um, uh, you know, uh, I I'm yeah, like man. Uh, I de- I definitely I didn't uh, you know, my my I asked partially because of my relationship with yeah, you know, of course, my, yeah, my, my parents being writers, my dad uh, specifically being a very prolific writer. Um, but the, that's funny because definitely one of his books has a very intense sex scene and I read it in like junior high and was just like, I never read a book like that, let alone a book that my dad wrote. And I was like, oh man, that's a, I still think back on it and I'm like, I feel like he should have told me not to read it, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know if I feel like that. But. And my lunch tray's on the floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying at the bottom of the stairwell. Of <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah. Can can you imagine being? Can you imagine like being Philip Roth's kid, like after like porn noise complaint, like oh, like your dad wrote like the one about like jerking off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's dad. Like, yeah. yeah, The uh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, there's yeah. I I don't think we we're we're crying poor us here, but like there are you know the children of actors who it's like oh well that your your dad's famous for like showing his wang on in a movie that everybody saw you know whatever it is like there's far more embarrassing things than our parents acknowledging that sex exists but it definitely <laughs> was a, a moment for me for sure she doesn't read she she doesn't read my comics i don't really read her books sure. um and I, I think that's safer um do you have like but, conversations but also, with her about yeah ab- absolutely no? because i, th- I think hmm. the, th- the thing the thing that's cool is that um if I hadn't had my mom in my life, I think she she kind of kept me. Um, I, I want to say it's very pretentious, but like I guess like intellectually kind of omnivorous. Um, mm-hmm. If I hadn't had my mom, I think I would have been like I would have just been in comics, just been into comics, which is you know great. But then you you can only make comics that are about comics, and it all becomes a xerox of a xerox of a xerox of a xerox. So like it was my mom who kind of pushed me to kind of. Um, push me to sort of study literature and that kind of thing and you know i i i think that that kind of keeps the mix a bit fresher Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah uh talking about sort of having having a a broad palette i'm i'm sort of always intrigued by your stuff because you um I, i tend to think of you as a sci fi writer you write a lot of sci-fi and you have a lot of sci-fi ideas um which is interesting because i i feel like for a lot of a lot of today's comics writers they jump around in genre and you have you do horror you do other stuff but like you keep coming back to sci-fi in a big way in 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 your own work and i think a lot of the stuff you do it at uh work for higher stuff like has a lot of big sci-fi ideas do you feel like in your heart you're a sci-fi writer do you feel like not to not to pigeonhole you but to be like i'm in it in this tradition like do, do does that does that feel like something how you'd identify yourself or or not really um i mean i think in in a lot of respects i, I think my work transcends genre um <laughs> uh, no um 
what's like what's the opposite my work what's the opposite of transcends it like subsends genre like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't rise to the be like it's not really about anything it doesn't have a genre that's where i want to be. <laughs> um like honestly i mean it, it, it's weird right because um by by I'm, I'm very comfortable in science fiction but i also the, the kind of science fiction that i kind of personally enjoy um which is what like like i did like a whole phd on jg ballard right uh -huh. so but the, which which is is less about kind of technology and more about like uh extreme metaphors for sort of societal decay sure. and all that kind of stuff um and so it's there's a definitely there's definitely kind of a big sort of horror presence and and, and i i do keep coming back to this right like I, I have no idea why I didn't approach it necessarily any differently, but like for some reason, you know, Red Fork mm -hmm. um, is the, for, for whatever reason, it, it kind of, it really caught um, in a way that, um, I mean, you know, my other stuff, you know, it has its fans, but like Red Fork, for some reason, like a lot of people seem to like it. And mm -hmm. of all the kind of Marvel work that I've done, the most popular thing was uh, I did an Immortal Hulk one shot uh, that was sort mm -hmm. of set like in the upper Paleolithic, um, which was like horror through and through. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that again, like a lot of, you know, if people know me, they tend to sort of know me for that stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very comfortable in science fiction. Um, and I, 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 but I, I, I like to sort of think it's, it's because it, it's, you, 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 it allows you to kind of isolate something, right? Like it, it allows you to sort of isolate a contemporary tendency and sort of dial it up to 11 and really sort of look at it. Um, so I, I guess like science fiction is like a means to an end, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but really where I seem to end up more than anywhere, more, where I seem to end up more often than not is, is kind of horror and particularly kind of survival horror, weirdly. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, have you ever talked to you? You're, you're, yeah. you're, 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 uh, a ray of sunshine. You're, you have a, you worry. You're a worrier, Alex. I don't know if you know that. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. I relate to that. No, I mean, I, I relate to it too. I think it's part of why we're friends. Um, mm. but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting that you talked about the sort of the Ballard interest and the, the connection to sort of the bigger ideas because I, I'm, I have a weird relationship with science fiction because I love science fiction. I obviously like what I do and how could you not? And, and I have a, a long, a strong love for science fiction, but I, I always say like the shorthand that I always use is like, uh, I'm a hundred percent a star Wars kid, not a star Trek kid. And like people could be like, mm. well, star Wars is fantasy or what, you know, and whatever. And like, we <laughs> you can have that semantic debate, but like the science of the science fiction it is always the backseat for me. And, yeah. the th and the thing that I love about your work is that, you know, there are these, there are writers who do science fiction where it's all high concept, where they're just selling you, asking you big questions and, and offering you big ideas. And I'm so impressed with that. And it's so not how my brain works, but the stuff that I gravitate towards is the stuff that then has the humanity 
in it still and can say like, here are the big questions here, here are the, the big asks, but this is how it relates to you. This is how, this is how, this is why we're telling the story. It's not just a thought experiment. It's a, it's an experiment in humanity and understanding who we are as people. And I feel like your stuff always has such a strong grasp of that, of like bringing the big ideas out there, but then making sure that like, there's a connective tissue for me and my life to it. And I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm fascinated by you saying that like, yeah, you, you have this sort of other understanding of science fiction because like uh, it, it makes sense to me completely in, in your work that there is this, there's just this very human thread to what you do, but also it, it feels to me, it feels funny to me because I, I love the humanity of a story and I love the character element and I love, finding the way to relate to a story. And it's one of the reasons I don't write a lot of science fiction is because I don't feel the need to get into there. And so your ability to do both is something that really intimidates and inspires me in your work. And like, I love just sort of hearing you talk about the human, that the, the understanding of science fiction is really fun for me. Hmm. I mean, I, 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 I appreciate it. Uh, I really do. I mean, it, um, it's funny because, um, you know, it's important to be reflective and it's important to be kind of self-critical, I think. And, and you know, one of the areas where I think I, uh, I think I can fall in love with concepts to the point where um, they become quite plotty. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And it's certainly, it's certainly happened before that I've kind of lost control mm-hmm. um, and it's taken me a long time and sort of, you know, associating with, you know, better people to kind of really uh, stay in the driver's seat for as long as I possibly can, rather than sort of being thrown around. But I mean, I mean, I, I guess um, I, I always feel like it in a weird way. Um, I'm always like, really, if you cut, if you, if you, if you pair it down to brass tacks, I'm always trying to kind of very clumsily recreate the fly um <laughs> which is like my like my 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 favorite movie my favorite piece of art my my which my which, my which iteration is your favorite movie uh the, the, the Cronenberg? The, yeah the Cronenberg one the yeah, the remake um is is like my creative kind of pole star i think it's a perfect piece of art um mm-hmm. i think it um uh and and that that i think is what science fiction kind of means to me mm-hmm. um and I suppose that's where the kind of horror crossover comes in. But uh, like, I just, I, I've never been, um, I've never been kind of dismantled by a piece of cinema or, or a piece of literature sort of in, in that manner before or since, like I sure. couldn't really move afterwards. Yeah. I was like absolutely kind of parallel, but uh, this, this utterly kind of novel sensation of, of not just being kind of paralyzed with like revulsion, which of course is kind of perfectly natural because, you know, it's this kind of process of like grinding abjection of a human being. You're just seeing the total physical collapse of a human being kind of happening in front of you. And the sort of science fiction is a sort of releasing mechanism for that. Um, But just that kind of the empathy, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, uh, Just this, this, you know, if nothing else, just kind of, okay, like, I, you know, how, how do I, how do I make other people feel that bad? 
Let's, <laughs> let's devote my entire kind of creative life to making other people feel that bad. Um, that's that's a, a beautifully succinct way of saying it. But I, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think I, it's funny because obviously you're being flippant in a way, but like, no, I, I get that that impulse completely to just be like, you want people to feel things on a level that that is so deep and 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 powerful and evocative and that's that's a thing that we all chase i think in in a Mm. way and um and it's a and it's a and it's a hard and brutal and sometimes dangerous thing to chase but it is it is also like such an important thing to chase i think to just create empathy where there was none is such an important thing in in art and work like especially now right yeah mm. um see what see what we're doing is really 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 important. really important it's really mm. important. It's so the, i would important. say the most important thing i <laughs> yeah. mean I, you know you know it's funny because i i uh i typed up some notes about this to, to talk to you but i i did actually uh one of my one of my closing questions and now we're just going to end the podcast at some point where i'm just gonna be like okay that's it it's gonna be really abrupt because i'm giving you a closing question <laughs> now but like one of my closing questions was like, do you feel like in, in these times that are like, you know, uh, people are like, this is the bleakest time in history. That's obviously not true. Like, it's not the bleakest time in history. We have, you know, uh, much bleaker things to look back on. But things are definitely... And to look forward to. And to look forward to, yeah. Um, the, yeah, it's not the bleakest the time spirit. in history. It's just the bleakest That's time the in history so far. But the... Uh, <laughs> No, you know, but I think I think things are things are very intense. And, and, you know, obviously, I don't need to list all the things that are bad in the world. (laughs) But but like, uh, do you feel like in the last few years, your role on in what you wanted to do and with this job has changed? Do you feel like an importance for it? Do you feel like what you want to say? I ask because it's very much like, it doesn't come up in comics a lot. But it's a it's a very funny thing that when I talk to TV and film people that they they try and read the landscape in a way that is very funny to me where they're like, oh, it's, you know, really dark out there. It's time for blue sky stories. Oh, wait, no, it's election year. It's time for political, you know, like they very much try (laughs) and be like, this is what the people need to see right now. And it's a very conscientious choice that i think actually people are making people like us make on a subconscious level like do you feel like what you've wanted to do has changed basically in the last few really dark years (laughs) um i would say yeah and and look i mean you know i've known you for a long time you know i'm not telling you anything you don't know and i'm I'm, I'll, i'll be kind of perfectly candid i mean i think if if anything the pendulum's kind of gone the other way. Um, I think um, from like, I was kind of building up, um, I was building up a bit of a kind of head of steam career wise, I think around about 2015. And then, you know, everything, you know, not just in your country, but kind of globally, when everything sort of started happening in 2016, um, I started um, like I, you know, look, man, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not laying any kind of special claim to any special trauma at all. Uh, far from it, right? But like it, it, it yeah, like it, it freaked me out, and sure. um, uh, 
I don't think I handled it well because, you know, my instinctive reaction was to um, become kind of intensely kind of polemical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like all of a sudden I stopped writing stories and I've started writing um, diatribes, mm-hmm. manifestos mm-hmm. Um, with very kind of um, superficial uh very strident kind of messages right sure um be- because uh, but but and frankly like i think i think i became a, a-, a bore uh <laughs> because i'm not i'm not you know i'm, I'm preaching to the choir for mm. one yeah um and I, yeah, like I, I think like I, I kind of, I derailed my career a little bit there uh, because I was only doing that kind of thing. But again, because I, 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 I kind of felt um, at the time that I had this kind of, I had this tremendous kind of sense of, 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 of mission, you know, sure. as, as though I was kind of, okay, well, like, you know, I have to be kind of part of a kind of, you know, I can't just stand back and, you know, but like, you know, not realizing at the time that, that is not how that's not how people kind of consume anything you know if, if they want to be if they want to be preached out they'll go to church yeah yeah um and it wasn't re- it's not really been you know f- for the last kind of few years um you know since I've, and and you know you helped me with this uh ram v helped me with this dan waters helped me with this uh but you know there was almost like a kind of intervention, I think, uh, you know, where it was, um, and I'm, you know, I'm oh, sorry, I'm, I'm being very candid here. I hope it's okay. But, you yeah. know, where, where some friends kind of took me, sort of took me to one side and, and just sort of said, look, you know, to put, you have other stories in you. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, allowing myself to kind of, to sort of be luxurious enough with myself to kind of tell other stories and like, lo and behold, this last few years, like I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, whatever, whatever the kind of the index of kind of success is, you know, some, some more things have sort of started happening for me and I've been a hell of a lot happier. Just, just, mm-hmm. you know, not sort of feeling that like I have to write stories that are also in any way kind of curative. Like I, I remember talking to um, Nick Harkaway an, an author called Nick Harkaway about it, you know, just about like the function of art. And um, this was, this is a few years ago. And I, I think this is actually where I sort of started to change. Uh, and to sort of move away from that sort of polemical thing. And, and you know, he was just sort of talking about, you know, the, the, the gathering storm clouds and saying sort of how impotent he felt, you know, in the mm. sort of face of that. And I, I almost kind of answered like my own question in a weird way because he was like, like, what are we supposed to do here? And I said, well, I guess really it's, you know, our job, we, we, we can't fix anything. Art's never fixed anything. It never mm. has. It, it sure. All it's ever done is consoled it's mm. it's consolation you know it's it's um it's not curative it's palliative it yeah. eases pain right and i think once you sort of once you sort of view it in those ter- you know and, and then all of a sudden for instance like escapism becomes a really like noble endeavor 
for you sure. Know? Yeah. The, like the the world's dark as shit, and you, you know you're you're giving people like half an hour away from it. What a beautiful thing to do for yeah. someone, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I I know exactly what you're talking about because I I remember you know I think we're you and me are pr- pretty politically, um, aligned in a lot of our beliefs, but I remember you know the need to sort of put positioning statements out into the world and just mm. be like this is what i believe like these are these are fundamental things i think you know you treat people with respect you treat people with empathy like you you know you have empathy for people you caring about people like above above religion above borders above economic status like these are things that like are fundamental to me and things like you know and things that come from that like that don't feel like political statements but sort of we're starting to feel like political statements to be like i care about everybody regardless of who they are or where they came from started to feel like a political statement and it felt important to make it and and say things like that and for a long time i kept trying to figure out like how do i put that in my work like how do i put that you know empathy and and caring about people and being good to people and like respecting people and who they are and what they want what they want out of life like those are important things that i think matter and at a certain point and i i think that's something that i do try and still put in my work but at a certain point yes that idea of like sometimes you need to stand in front of a crowd and wave a flag so that they don't feel alone and sometimes you need to hold an umbrella over them so they don't know that there's a storm at all like both of these things are important and both wow. of these things matter and like is that is that is that is that did, did you just did you just extemporize that is that is, is that, that something that just fell out of your head yeah why that was okay that's okay. You, it, I mean, it's, we're gonna have it on a shirt tomorrow, but today, it just yeah, came out. Uh, yeah, I got I got stickers made today, guys. We're it's all happening. You should do this for a living. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, the but yeah, you know, and I feel like there's yeah, the the idea of creating escapism really has become a very sort of noble endeavor in my head in a lot of ways and i'm bad at it i'm because my what what are you talking about i i i you know i made a cute book about little kids doing crimes and then like my instinct was let's kill them all at the end because little kids shouldn't do crimes like i'm bad at (laughs) my 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 uh, yeah no i i the dark part of my brain that that is like happy endings are just stories that stop before the end like that part of my brain always kicks in so i always sort of mm. <laughs> bring the other shoe down and i try and stop myself on it and i try and do more of the happy ending stuff but like you know i i think what you were saying makes a lot of sense of like the the there's a there's a real nobility to the escapism i've never watched like ted lasso for example i know that people love that show i've never watched it but like watching mm-hmm. how people react to that is like a very powerful thing of just being like it feels good everyone's nice like it's nice to watch a show where everyone's nice and like my brain wants to watch andor where everyone is like in danger and scheming and gonna die and it's horrible and sad because that is what my brain goes to but like i i do see the beauty of a ted lasso oh yeah but I, i i mean like respectfully i think i wonder if we're kind of talking about different things uh, because I mean, I, I would definitely, I like, I would definitely put Andor in the escapism column, definitely. Mm. That's interesting. Um, I don't think like, we are um, talking about escape. I mean, did you watch the one this week? We don't. We're not going to go into spoilers, but 
uh yeah like it's this, uh, like it's, out in like a month <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's dude it, no like it's 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 a, it's star wars made by the gilroys i mean it yeah. was always going to be incredible um yeah like i, I want more star there, wars by the people who made michael clayton like <laughs> yeah, of course there are definitely escapism moments in it but i think there are definitely moments that are bleak as hell and like yeah but 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 the the, the genre envelope the genre envelope allows them to go further. I mean, in a weird way, like I feel like it's it's almost like, um, you know, like, you know, so much kind of Soviet science fiction is like absolutely incredible. And the reason that so much Soviet science fiction is incredible is because the writers, you know, the writers who were making it were kind of, you know, they wanted to be Dostoevsky. They wanted to be Tegenev, you know, they wanted yeah. to be literary but the only way they could get around the censors was by working in science fiction. Sure. It was it was it was expediency, right? Um, and, but I feel like you know that's it's still that shorthand is still applicable kind of everywhere else, right? Like you use you use science fiction, you use horror, and you're basically kind of sugaring a pill. Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, yeah. you know, like you know, yeah, like I mean, and, and or I mean, the, the the sort of the the grinding numbing bureaucracy of like incipient fascism is like all over it but like um oh, there's there's definitely hope at the core of andor it's definitely yeah. about about but it's it's the hope you find when there's a boot on your neck it's the idea that looking over and seeing a boot on someone else's neck is means that you're not alone like that's a def, definitely a different kind of hope than but but i i like i i, I like i remember um i remember like walking out of rogue one which is and it's obviously yeah. you know same people but I, I remember just walking out of Rogue One, and I can't describe it any other way, right? Like, I was like, I was, I was a mess coming out yeah. of Rogue One. Like, I was absolutely destroyed. But I just remember feeling so grateful, genuinely, sincerely grateful to the filmmakers for not bullshitting me. Of course, like yeah. because you know, like. Like, yes, okay, you can have this rebellion thing. You know, yes, of course, victory is always possible. Yes, of course, all towers fall. Yeah. But it's going to cost you. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, and the, like, the, I, I loved them for that because yeah, yeah. That's, it's the, I can buy that. It's the thing we talked about when we were making DC versus Vampires. We just talked about this the other day on the, on the phone yeah. where I was like, you know, not to give away the ending of our books, but like, uh you know there is hope there is light but it it comes at a price like you have to fight for it people are going to sacrifice and what that sacrifice is and yeah I, I i i see what you're saying um i think there's there's a there's a world where uh, that is an escapism but it's not a pure escapism I guess it's sure. a, it's a, it's it's realism with with escapism. It's it's escapism draped over realism. Um <laughs> if that makes sense. It's escapism uh, with floors that fry people. With floors yeah. that fry people, which uh really it's, uh it's when you escape to a cool place and then that cool place also has fascism though. Oh right? no. <laughs> your your cool beach town is also a fascist beach town. <laughs> oh no. Um, And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Alex Pacnadel. Make sure to follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Pacnadel and check out All Against All at a comic shop near you. 
To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at tales to astonish or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.